<laughs> hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, y'all? What's going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, my God, Troy. I should have never told you to do that, y'all. I knew you was going to do that. Hey, yo, what's going hey, on, Hey, yo, what's going on, world? It's your boy, Melly Mel. <laughs> it's your boy, Melly Mel, coming at you live from hey, the yo, Boom what's Boom good, Room. Y'all? It's hey. your boy, Melly Mel. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Get up off me, yo. Get up off me. <laughs> Welcome Get to up the off Melody's me. podcast where we where we bring the real world to the old world and black. Nah, it's history. real world and culture see, nah, and see, belonging. See, nah, and... nah, nah, nah. <laughs> y'all off already. Y'all off already. Hit so us with it, bro. Y'all know what Hit it us is, with man. It. Y'all know what it is. We are back with another edition of the Melly D's podcast. I'm your host, Melly Mel. You know, enjoying me as always. We got my man Husky and Bearded. We got Dr. Drew Mar in the building. What's good, man? Yo, what's good with it? Happy the blackity black, black, black month. Hey, hey. On this first day of Black History Month, I see you. And we got uh, never on time and always late life coach Lace hey. in the building. <laughs> what's hey. going on, baby? Yes. Life coach Lace in the building, a.k.a. O- Mr. Overpromise Under the Liver, a.k.a. Shorty Low, a.k.a. I'm in here. Let's go. Hey. Hey, you know it wouldn't be a potty without my boy T. Roy, aka Pastor Troy. What's going on, man? What's going on, world? It's your boy T. Roy. Just want to let y'all know uh, to make sure y'all follow us on our social medias. We are on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, <laughs> and Facebook. What? I didn't do the pastor thing this this week. I ain't no, do not that this time. Go ahead, bro. I, just, I ain't mean to I interrupt just, your plug. Go ahead, do do the plug. I, I, I stressed the syllable. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Manly Deeds Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Manly Deeds underscore. YouTube, just uh, go to the search bar and search us for Manly Deeds. I think we're currently at ten followers. Hey man, Uh-oh. tell your mom, t- tell tell everybody you know, tell your grandma. She got a more than likely your grandma got an Android phone, okay, and she don't know how to use. <laughs> it, all right, so just get, when when the next time she call you over to try to show you to uh try to get you to show her how to set up her voicemail just go ahead and hit youtube and hit subscribe we're trying to get up to 10 uh i mean to 100 followers um and also we're we're on um facebook at manly deeds podcast so holler at us this is episode 14 hey yo i just want to correct troy real quick and say that my grandma has an iphone 13 Uh, she got got more than me the only reason i know that is because she literally texted me last week and said i got a new iphone 13 i need you to help me set it up so (laughs) (laughs) so i was like all right hit me up when you get that joint and i'll help you set it up so like clockwork she texted me when it came in the mail gave me the play-by-play basically said it shipped text me when it arrived it was like i need your help setting it up so i said cool so I was already preparing myself to be in a struggle because my grandma her 70s, so I'm like, she don't know what to do. She trying to activate the joint. I forgot that she had an older iPhone. So then she talking about some, oh, they telling me I got to restore my new phone from the cloud. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm like, yo, here we go. Here we go. So now I got to try to talk my grandmama through how to back up in the cloud, first of all. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I ain't got no recipes and scriptures. Yo, in God, try to get it back it up in the cloud, bro. <laughs> It's very wild, yo. <laughs> Broccoli casserole recipes hey, nah. and top 10 scriptures. Real talk, hey, real talk. My girl, I know my grandma ain't got none of that on her phone. My grandma can't cook. 
<laughs> my grandma can't cook, y'all. That's no hate on my grandma. That's a fact in my family. Grandma, that's why I got just like hate to me. Everybody got an assignment. Yeah, it sounds like catching strays <laughs> out here to me. Everybody got an assignment in my family, and my grandma knows what hers is. And cooking ain't one of them, bro. My, my grandma was blessed to own the sewing machine. So that's been her role. Hey, that's a skill set. Yeah, that's she, a skill set. She makes it all from scratch. Make your whole suit from scratch. Pick out the fabric. She'll get you right, bro. But as far as that's whipping up. it up in the kitchen, that's dead. Um, now, my so, grandmother's my grandmother's super strengths are cooking, and she's a caregiver. Okay. So mm, mm-hmm, she she going to mm-hmm. be 80, 90 years old taking care of people who are 80, 90 years old. That's how she going to I feel that. That's how she going to be doing. I feel it. that. That's where you get it from, huh, Troy? I, no, bro. I can't wash nobody's butt, bro. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. That's a special ministry, bro. Troy, went to the, special Troy ministry. literally went to the bottom of service. The, 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 to the extreme. I mean, he could have said making somebody's breakfast, helping them make their bed. He went to washing their car, cutting their grass, nah, folding their clothes. My boy went to straight washing booty. <laughs> My my, my mama, my mama, my mama about a month ago, she was like, my mama was like, hey, so are you going to put me in a home? I said, yes, I am. Golly, save straight your, washing your booty right now, because that's exactly that's where crazy. you're going. Hey, you can't put mama in, the, in a home, though, bro. Homes Watch are for dads, Nah, bro. you don't want to do that. Watch me. Homes man. are for dads, not moms, bro. That's Watch why you got to get a daughter according to Lil Rail. Yes, because your daughter will fight for you. Fact. Hey, bro, she going to let you live. do that for me. My daddy gonna live yep. in this house with us. <laughs> <laughs> you got a son. I know for you a fact. Sure. I know for a fact. Miles will put me in a home, bro. I know for a <laughs> fact. He'll be like surprise, bro. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not betting on Miles for no for no long term care for me when I'm old, bro. Miles, all the eggs that I got, bro. I'm putting it all in one basket. I feel Miles. It. Miles wouldn't come for a couple months. He gonna come see you, and he gonna look at his uh, at his wife and say. Is this nigga dead? <laughs> right. <laughs> Miles will literally drop me off at hey. the home and then be like, and peel out. Go ahead and get out of here. <laughs> <sighs> that's how I go. That's how I go. But that's a good topic, though. Uh, grandparents, super strip. That, my, my grandmother, super strip. She's a gasser, yo. Like, she will gas you. To the umpteenth power, like have you thinking you can literally do anything? I got even when you that. know you can't. I know you got that like, for your legit. grandma lace. Yeah, <laughs> I know you got that for your grandma. I know that for a fact. I remember one time she told my cousin that this dude could probably be on six hundred pound life for real, no bull. And she straight up told him that if he wanted to be biscuits. an astronaut, he could be an astronaut. There's a weight requirement for such. <laughs> There's Ain't a no way, but she said it with, with, with such, you know, positivity and such, like, I know you can do it if you really want to do it. Like, so, yeah, the gas, the gas ministry is real. Yo, that's hilarious. I ain't even I, I ain't even gonna let Drew say what his grandma's superpower is because I already know what it is. <laughs> what is and it? She does, <laughs> and she does wonders in the kitchen. When I tell you that she does wonders in the kitchen, his grandma does wonders in the kitchen. <laughs> What she do? What's what's the go to? Uh, what is the go to, man? Uh, turkey legs, of course. You know mm. what I'm saying, like mm. fish. Um, she makes an immaculate pot roast. Um, 
She does yeah, it You know all. you country if you, if you go straight to the pot room. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, yeah, that's yes, top sir. three. You, hey, top you three. definitely from a from a rural area. In pot room is top three. <laughs> he said turkey legs, fish, immaculate pot In rolls. Pot rolls. <laughs> Hey, bro, with the glass top, bro. Oh the glass no. top with the bacon dish, dog. With potatoes in that up. joint. That bad boy steamed be steamed up. up. Steamed yeah. up, bro. Hey, I got, I got a question for y'all. Do y'all's, do y'all's grandparents got that uh black, big old tub uh um cookware stoveware? I can't. It's a big old pot, but it's black. Is it tall? Kind of tallish. You talking about a cauldron? Like, more like wide, yeah. It's got what? a t- and it's got. A qu- Are you talking about a Dutch oven? It's yeah, it's got to be a Dutch oven. Let me look what? that joint up. It's one of those. It's one Google of those. It, Troy, I, ain't gonna, all... I ain't gonna embarrass myself. Go ahead and Google it. Dutch <laughs> oven or a cast iron. Um, yeah, a cast iron. It's pan yeah, cast iron yeah. Pot. It's it's something like a Dutch oven. Yeah, something like gotcha. that. Mm. But no, there, yes, my that. grandmother owns a cornucopia. A copious amount. Yeah, of a copious amount of pots. My grandma copious don't own amounts a copious of pots amount of pots and pans. My copious amounts of pots and pans. So who be cooking for a male? She be doing for herself. You know, she just so she eat for substance, not necessarily for right. You know, the taste yeah. or the she yeah, she okay. cook she cook for that. You know, when she really want to eat, I know when she really want to eat because she go to my aunt Gloria's house. Now my aunt Gloria can whip it up. So if she say that she going to my aunt Gloria's house, I'd be like, I know she got tired of cooking for herself. She going. Mm, got, <laughs> got you. She going to her sister's house. <clears throat> so she got my. I know my aunt got that from my great grandma because my great grandma used to do that thing. If she old mm, school. Mm. Yes, sir. Pot roast. Let's get it. Hey, you know what it is, man. First day of Black History Month. I'm feeling extra black today. Blackity black black. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. the rest of the members on the podcast tonight are a little underwhelming. I mean, Drew looks like he's ready for uh, <laughs> uh, black nationalism and stuff like that. But Troy and Lace, <laughs> not so much. Uh, man, I please, have I'm out here, to man. wear a white shirt because my beard blends in with my with a black shirt. Mm. That's the the reason viewers why have the seen your shirt. beard enough, bro. They know you got a beard, exactly, bro. That's bro. an excuse. Well, man. I Sounds want quite. To- White of you to be doing that. White, <laughs> terrible shirt choice on the first day of Black History Month. Come exactly, on, man. man! But I'm representing for the lighter skinned individuals. Are. You know what I mean? A little oh my God, tall, bro. You know what I mean? A little so it's still blackity black black. I'm representing for, for my ancestors, fair skin brothers. I'm representing for my ancestors that pick cotton. All right, I hear you, Troy. This is 100 over here. <clears throat> I see. You. Y'all got to stop making me laugh, yo. I'm dying. Hey, we in there, bro. We in there. We doing it all night. So get your get your Robitussin ready. Cause we, <laughs> we geeked up this evening. Uh yes, sir. So we got a lot, we got a lot to talk about tonight, man. So I ain't gonna delay us no more, man. We're gonna just jump straight into the wild segment. You know, for those who don't know, we like to have what we like to call the word of the week, where we let either Dr. Drew Moore or Life Coach Lace bless us with an SAT word that's gonna make us all smarter amongst the unlearned community. Uh, I rather enjoy mm-hmm. the word of the week because I like to add a dash of uh, high quality, what I like to call vernacular, uh, to my speech in my day to day, you know, working environments. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward for tonight, man. Go ahead and bless me with it. I got yeah. my Google ready. You know how I do. I ain't gonna know the words. So I'm gonna go ahead and type it up. <laughs> I got my Google. Lace, what I was ain't that gonna word? know the words. So I'm gonna go ahead and type it up. 
what was that word about two weeks ago that Melvin got tricked tricked up on and and <laughs> oh you talking about last week? Lace was like thick tongue, get it out. <laughs> you thick tongue, some of my God, Lee, spit it out. <laughs> yo, Lace don't let me live. Yo, literary. Lace, you know why? You know why I don't show nobody else no mercy, bro? Because Drew always get on me about that. He be like, you need to show people more grace. You know why I don't show people grace? Because nobody shows me grace when I make a mistake. <laughs> when I make a mistake, he'll be all over that joint. Let me stutter over a word or slip up. It'd be like, oh, first of all, hey, first of like all, that. first of all, lace is not the barometer of showing anybody grace. So <laughs> should, you should all be that's a fact. To that. That's a fact. I so agree with that. That yo. is an absolute fact. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. Who up, that who up this week? I think Dr. Drew Mar up this week for the word of the week. Yeah, man. Drew got it. <sighs> Y'all fellas funny. So the word of the week this week is intemperate. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. I N T E N. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's sounding that thing out. He's sounding that thing out. Hey, don't worry about it. Google finished it for me. All right, so go ahead and finish spelling it for the audience, but I, I found it already. But we got I N T E M P E R A T E, intemperate. Uh, basically, to mean having extreme conditions or having or showing mm-hmm. a lack of emotional calmness or control. So this I'm, is a yeah, word yeah, I use quite often this is me. for I'm those in, around around me. I'm intemperate, y'all. Intemperate. Nah, bro. You, no, bro. What it's saying is, is that uh, you- Lack of well, self-control. I guess yeah, that's how- So right. you, do have, you do have self-control, though. I mean, depends on what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, it depends on the situation, but you still have Troy, self-control. <laughs> I, like I like how Troy keeping it 100 right now. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I know it's something I got to work on, bro. Intemperate. Yeah, I use it. I use yeah, it against colleagues sure. all the time in the workplace. Use it in that the sentence. Be, so Solid I word. Throw it down. That was gonna be my Solid next word. question. Like, where uh, did it? Where did it come up that you uh, just be throwing it around in a people's situation? Like yeah. So basically, what I say is, is that I tell somebody that they had uh, an intemperate conversation with me. So what I'm saying is, is that the conversation did not had a lack of uh, calmness or uh, emotional control. So basically, if somebody spazzes out on you at work, you could just accuse them of being intemperate. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody send you a, a crazy email, accusatory, you know, accusatory. That's to a inf- I regret, word. I regret to inform you, but I cannot respond to this intemperate inquiry <laughs> because of XYZ. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not. It's yep. nothing. Holy. Stolen. <laughs> it's nothing. Stolen. See it. CMP. Copy and paste. I'll take that. Yep. Stolen. Don't even worry about it. Stolen. See, I'm, I, I, I'm throwing it in there tomorrow for sure. I used yes, to. I nice. used to. I used to bang on people in emails until I started like being wrong in emails. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? You was you was you was intemperate and wrong. Very <laughs> you intemperate. Was intemperate. Bro, I remember once I snapped on a student in an email in front of a whole bunch of people. I like I CC basically the whole administration. Oh, you want to messed up. Okay. <laughs> this sounds like a deserving deserving story. Go ahead, Troy. Let me and hear. And then it, it ended up being something that I missed. Oh my gosh. You talk about you talk about crow. I ate it all, mm. bro. A humble mm-hmm, pie, mm-hmm. everything. Why you see uh, the whole administration in reference to a student? He was trying to pr- prove a point. <laughs> he was trying to prove a point. 
Absolutely, trying to crucify somebody, trying to fry somebody in uh, in, a, in a nice corporate way. So ever since that day, it's always been, hey, uh, can you remind me of when we last talked about this? Hey, mm. here's free game for the audience. Anywhere you work, be mindful of what you put in email, bro. Because once you send that joint, that joint is gone. Oh, it's the bro. feds. It's oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's in, it's in Melvin Grandmama Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's in the cloud. <laughs> oh, shoot. Hey, bro. Yeah. Once you print that joint, bro, it is gone, bro. And that joint will be used against you. Oh, man, so before you uh, send that joint, bro, think about what you emailing. Hey, uh, questionable email. emails do enjoy, bring joy to my day, though. I like when pe- other people are wrong in email. It brings joy to Absolutely. my day. Absolutely. Oh, most definitely. That joint most does definitely. bring joy to my day. And I try to limit my emails because uh, I'm intemperate. So I uh, lack self-control <laughs> in my responses that may be given. And the same way I talk in the podcast is how I talk in email. I don't really have no corporate jargon type style. Like all the stuff that they say you're not supposed to do with email, I be doing an email. That's you. Got you. That joint is funny. Yeah. Um, what I was going to add is that email, social media, text messages, once it's out there in the world, it's like herpes, oh, it's bro. it's there forever. It's not going away. Even if you think you deleted it, it ain't going away. Somebody <laughs> snapshotted it. Snapshotted uh, it. That's how you know when you go ahead. <laughs> not the snapshot. <laughs> you see... Oh my God! Troy take a photograph of people's text messages, y'all. Snapshot it, not the snapshot. It it, it is. It is. They got a disposable camera taking pictures of emails. (laughs) (laughs) Troy, do you go to Rite Aid, CVS, or Walgreens to develop your photos, bro? That's wild. People still do, bro. That's what you mean. We used to. People still do. Just like niggas still getting red box. It's still red boxes out here, yo. Hey, I went to Kroger. <laughs> bro, I went to Kroger the other day and I saw a cat at the red box and I was like, huh? Who still uses <laughs> right. DVDs? <laughs> so who got a DVD player at the grill? Hey, they stopped ball. selling DVDs with uh, DVD players with Circuit City without a business. First of all, I just uh, bro, Circuit City was the spot. I want to acknowledge how toxic all three of you all are because how? the red box be hitting sometimes. See? Some they have an app, though. What is on, on Redbox that you cannot get on the app? Everything is on the app. It's in Melvin's grandma's cloud, bro. Everything <laughs> right. that you need, bro. You don't right. need to go to Redbox. Let me say this. I used to go to the Redbox so often. It's like, it was. It used to be like, it, it was the thing to do on Friday, Saturday night. And so, it it, because it's ingrained in me... <laughs> Hear me out. All right, Troy. Tell us why we're why we need to be still using Y'all Redbox. I'm about stock in Redbox after tonight. Listening to Troy. Go ahead. Well, it's kind of like you know, uh, like going to the movies at one point was a whole big ordeal. But now that ev- all the movies are being released on HBO Max, it's getting to the point where Cass is like, Shh, I'm not even going. I'm not going to the movies no more. I'm just going to watch it at home. But this nostalgia of going to the movies, mm. the nostalgia of going to Redbox. Hoping that the movie that just released is still there, knowing that everybody in the neighborhood trying to get that joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like finding treasure. And mm. so uh, that was my experience with Redbox. And y'all can go jump off a bridge into the mm. water. That's what I mean, so I Troy, think people was fine going to the movies until white men in trench coats started shooting up movie premieres. And then facts. we was all like, you know, I'm going to just stay home. 
if that's the cost for the movie, if I can't enjoy my popcorn, I'ma just <laughs> stay at home. The popcorn uh, you just spent thirty dollars on. <laughs> well, I can't no, enjoy no that. Way, in no way, shape, or form. In no way, shape, or form are we making light of those tragedies. Oh no, no, not at all. I'm just saying that that's why we stopped going to the movies. But I would prefer to eat my popcorn without being concerned about catching a stroke. That is true, bro. So I definitely understand that. So Troy, you like Blockbuster, didn't you, bro? Loved it. I ain't gonna hate on Blockbuster. Yeah, I love it. Enjoy no, it. you can't hate on Blockbuster. But <laughs> we've, miss, we've evolved. Drew, we've evolved. I do Drew, miss. If you say you enjoy a Hollywood video, I'll kick you off the podcast right now. I What's never, I never went to Hollywood video. video. Bro, we, the Hollywood, Hollywood video, video was right next to the Elizabeth Pizza, bro. That, you had to stop you by. Had to. I, I know nothing about thank, Hollywood Thank you, video. Troy. I know nothing. We from the yeah, same city, so we know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it must be a rural area did thing. You have a rural we area. did. We had a blockbuster. It's where the old, um, it's where the the mattress joint is, bro. Bro, uh, we had over there off of Commonwealth. Yeah, we had a we had a we had a few joints before all of that. It was Curtis Mathis. That's where you used to rent your stuff at. Then Curtis Mathis went away. Uh, and then we had Brewers, and we had two Brewers. I don't know what either one of them joints is. If you don't, bro, Brewers was the joint. That was bro, that was Blockbuster before Blockbusters. Then Blockbuster came, uh, and then we lost both of them. We had a Hollywood. Uh, what would what, you say? Uh, what'd you call it, Melvin? My Hollywood what? Hollywood um, video cinema. We had a Hollywood uh, video. We did have that over there where the Walmart was. Troy, where was the other Blockbuster at though? We only had one Blockbuster. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But we had I do miss uh, I do God miss renting for, uh, for growing up in a metropolitan. <laughs> hey, bro, you sound, missing out on your childhood tragic. experiences, bro? No, bro. Tragic. You gonna rent you? Look, bro, you gonna rent you a good Power Rangers movie and a Nintendo sixty four <laughs> game, bro? Life is good, bro. You gonna get you some Butterfingers, bro? Life is good, bro. See, y'all don't know, y'all don't know. I now I don't really know about it, but I knew we had it. I never got a chance to go into it because I was never of age. But we had the local video rental spot that where it where the um where it was a room in there where it was a curtain, and that's where they had all the pornos and stuff like that. And when I was a kid, <laughs> I was like, man, I can't wait till I get older. I just want to go behind the curtain and see what they got back there. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's what you think about when you were a kid. So the nostalgia of mm. going to get a movie is still instilled in your boy mm. and y'all some I haters. Feel it. Okay, that's what it is. Man. Hey, we gonna have another podcast episode I, uh, next week. Yeah, let's do it next week, and I'm gonna call it behind the curtain, and we gonna talk about. <laughs> 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 behind the curtain, behind, take behind your meat. The take the meat. <laughs> take the take meat. meat. <laughs> Pause. Behind the Yo, curtain, behind take the, the meat. Curtain, and we gonna talk about. Uh, we gonna talk about the negative effects of porn on the on the on male on the male community. Let's do it. Mm, okay. All okay. right. Uh, so y'all stay tuned. If you if that's something you're struggling with, we are gonna get into it next week. We gonna we gonna free you up. Um, so look, we 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 trying to keep it. Well, I ain't gonna say all the way black tonight, but we definitely want to get Black History Month started off, you know, on the right foot tonight. So uh, instead of doing the you with it and all segment, we were just gonna allow each person to kind of highlight someone, you know, that they deem important to them relative to the black culture and the contribution of Black History. So since this was Troy's idea. Uh, I'm gonna let him go first because he was real excited to share his his person. Uh, if it's not clear who my person is by now, you don't know me. Uh, so I'm gonna go last because we all know who I'm gonna say. 
All right. Well, I'm actually kicking off Black History Month of talking about the person who started Black History Month. And his name is Dr. Carter uh, G. Woodson. He uh, introduced Negro history after he graduated mm-hmm. from Harvard with his Ph.D. He was a scholar that uh, um, distributed. He, no, he was disturbed by the lack of black historical information that was in uh, history books at the time. And so um, he was a part of a historical association that he paid his dues to, um, but they wouldn't let him attend the conferences. Uh, He was basically uh, blackballed, literally. And so eventually he's like, all right, I'll start my own joint. And he started an association called Association for the Study of uh, Negro Life and History. Um, And and then eventually got changed to uh, Association for the Study of Afro um, Afro American Life and History in 1915, um, and then a year later um, he started the journal uh, uh, Journal of Negro History, and in um, 1926 he launched uh, Negro History Week, which was the second week in February. Um, he wanted to include um, which were the dates uh, close in time of um, Abraham Lincoln's birthday and Frederick Douglass's birthday. That's the reason why he picked the second week of February. And um, so then that's how we got uh, Negro History Week. And eventually, uh, I think in uh, oh, in February of 1976, that's when they gave us or oh, they, they turned uh, Negro Week into uh, Black History Month. And so the reason why we actually take a, a, the whole month of February out of the year to celebrate that is due to our dear good brother, Dr. Carter G. Woods. Yeah. Round of applause for Troy. Troy gets a gold star. That's what it is. Meh, 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 meh. That's what's up. So we got into this, this uh, why well, I ain't going to say deep conversation. We got into this borderline argument earlier today. Because uh, <laughs> one of the members on the podcast was very outspoken about his beliefs about black excellence uh, and what that looks like in the black community. Y'all can probably all assume who that person is by now. Um, but basically, no, I it started, having, it, it started with this. It started with me saying, hey, let's recognize black excellence by talking about somebody in black history. And then. Someone in this <laughs> group said that virtual black, space said that <laughs> yeah, black. His, I'm not gonna say they names. Said that black excellence is toxic, and I was like, I've never heard such a thing. Please share. And then Melvin said, "Save it for the podcast," and that's where we left off. Yeah, definitely save it for the podcast. I just want y'all to know that all the best podcasts that we've ever not recorded have happened in our group chat. <laughs> So every time we pick something that we're going to talk about and get into, somebody starts a conversation or argument or provides a polarizing statement that provokes conversation in the group chat, and we end up wasting the whole podcast (laughs) and the messages. So as soon as he said it, I text back so fast and said, don't answer that, Drew. Because I knew if you answered He wasn't trying to say his name, Melvin. You just put his name out there. We was, I was going to say it anyway, so everybody know it was Drew. So we go. <laughs> Look, the funny thing is, I told him not to answer it because I think that by the time he finished explaining his angle, which I think I know what he's going to say, when he get done saying it, the rest of y'all might agree with what he about to say. 
I ain't gonna ruin it, but I I I definitely think like this is a conversation that we was so we supposed Let's to be talking about. Let's hear it about, then. What are we waiting on? So Let's we, hear it. No, I just want to set the stage so everybody on the same page with the conversation. So we talking about exceptionalism in the black community, and then we talking about Drew's polarizing statement of why about why he believes black excellence is toxic in nature. All right, so Drew, do me a favor and just ex eloquently explain exceptionalism for the unlearned community and then also say it out loud just in case I don't explain it right and embarrass myself in front of seven <laughs> <of them. laughs> So exceptionalism is the uh, school of thought that um, we as people, and exceptionalism transcends race, socioeconomic status, gender, um, all of that good stuff in the sense that we base our ideals or our expectations based off exceptions as opposed to what the norm is. So for example, I'll take LeBron James as an example. LeBron James grew up in a single household, um, to my knowledge, grew up in poverty. Um, and at the age of 18, fresh out of high school, he was giving, uh, given a ridiculous amount of money. Um, if we look at LeBron James's life, uh, the statistics, um, he should have fizzled out probably within the first year. He's never had a scandal about, you know, uh, infidelity. Um, he's never done anything other than create schools. So LeBron James, in a real sense, is the exception. He's not the norm. We hear kids every day say, you know, I want to go to the league. I want to go to the league. Or I want to do this, that, and the third. The hard part is, is that because they see those few exceptions to the rule, they think that that's the norm. And so mm -hmm. I think that in regards to exceptionalism, people have to have more realistic expectations in regards to what this sure. thing called life is, as opposed to um, romanticizing or fantasizing on what could be based off the exception. Now, that is not an invitation to... Um, uh, subject yourself to uh, mediocrity. However, it is an opportunity for you to say, hey, do I have realistic goals? And I'll use myself for an example. You know, um, I'm 28 now, but at 21, 22, I used to apply for all these executive director jobs or these high profile jobs. And because I knew one person in my age bracket who had pulled it off, I deemed myself to say, well, I can do it too. Now, while I knew I could have, that's not the norm. That's just the exception. And so, you know, Mel used to tell me all the time, hey, bro, you got to have realistic expectations. And so that's kind of, you know, this um, this thought process of what, quote unquote, exceptionalism is. That's a bet. And um, I'm glad you said that because I would have never been able to get through that whole thing without stuttering. So I appreciate you taking <laughs> that. <back. laughs> uh, so, Drew, my, my, okay, I, I, that, I, that makes complete sense. So, where does black excellence then become toxic? Right. So I'm glad you asked that. So um, if anybody's parents are like mine, I got the speech that you have to try twice as hard as them. And we all know who them is. You have to try, uh, try twice as hard as them to get half of what they got. So it sets this unrealistic expectation that I have to burden myself to go to these extreme levels just to get half of what they have. And so I looked it up while Mel was talking. Um, so for 2019, the median household income for the country for a black household is $46,073. But for a white household, it's exactly or a little bit under $30,000 more. What that means is, is that when we talk Sheesh. about black excellence, yes, there's a ridiculous gap in that. So when we talk about black excellence, a brother has to get three PhDs, have 200 years of experience, to get something that somebody who is not as qualified can get easily. Look at our Supreme Court Justice, um, uh, the cat who was accused of, um, of potential assault. 
he did not have as many qualifications as the other people who were through the vetting process. But because he was a white male, he got that easier. So there's nothing wrong with black excellence and striving and achieving to do all these amazing things. But think about what black excellence is hashtag under. We think about the cat who uh, was um, uh, the um, what's the TV show for life. That's based off a real story of a gentleman who was wrongly accused. Right. For uh, for selling drugs. And he went to law school in jail or I think became a paralegal and beat the justice system to the point where the judge or either the prosecutor committed, excuse me, died via suicide. So my point is, we say that's black excellence. That's almost like superhero type stuff. And so I know that excellence is defined differently for each and every person. And so what I want is I'm not advocating for black mediocrity. I'm just saying that a brother should be able to be average and provide for his family. He shouldn't have to kill himself to work so hard and twice as hard to get something that somebody white who's average is going to get. Dave Chappelle had a um, comedy skit and he talked about Laura Ingram and how she told LeBron he could just shut up and dribble. He was like, you're a regular white, you know what? You're not the best at anything except you're on Fox (laughs) News and you have a platform because you're average. But in order for one of us to be able to be on a platform like that, the road is ridiculously hard. And so what I want for black people is to, when we talk about black excellence, how much is that rooted in um, unrealistic expectations? And moreover, how much is that rooted in us trying to perpetuate what we feel like, um, uh, which in reality is white acceptance, or I have to do this so I can do that, or I have to do this so I can have that. And so when people say, oh, you're educated, whatever the case may be, that's black excellence, I appreciate it. But I don't want somebody or a child, one of the kids I work with to say, well, if I decide to go be an electrician, you know, and make a decent day's wage for a decent day's work, that I have not done black excellence. Excellence is a unilateral term that means something differently for everybody. For sure. And and, and that's what I wanted to, to harp on, because, again, um, considering black excellence, what that looks like for you could be vastly different for me. Um, and I think that is a part of self-awareness and knowing how you fit. I mean, I would think. You know, I'm not a plumber or, you know, an electrician, but I know they make in bank and that is excellence for that individual <laughs> sure. in how they provide uh, for the individual, their family or whatever the case may be. So I think that black excellence is definitely a broad term, but it also fits to what the individual is seeking. But I think where it can be misconstrued is the views of trying to compare to others, you know what I'm saying? And compare to what other people have accomplished. So that is where the gap in practice is. But again, what's excellent, what I would consider excellence um, is different, but that that has to be uh, quantified in a way that is beneficial to me and mine. So yeah, I feel you on that and I support that, but I definitely want to acknowledge that it's different for everybody. My definition of black excellence is, hey bro, you overcame the the statistics sure yeah yeah like yeah. honestly one of the one of the uh black excellences that i recognize is that when i see a brother who's over 22 years old brother you made it mm. <laughs> that was, you basically you graduated from the hood you know what i'm saying like you're still alive like that that's black excellence one of the th- one of the first times i actually classify something as black excellence that i remember it might have been another time before um uh <laughs> uh i don't know if i want to tell the whole story but anyway drew and i were in richmond and we were in richmond on a mission because um uh a school of black excellence had his money and he was like hey come up <laughs> off my paper um <laughs> and so afterwards 
you know, after they told us everything that they needed, he needed to do, he was like, hey, man, I know this spot. Let's go uh, grab a cigar. So I was like, dope. We walked up in the cigar spot. Now, in my mindset now, this, and check check me, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was probably wrong in thinking like this. In my mindset, I'm like, okay, cigars. I, I normally see white men smoke cigars. The first time I ever went to a cigar shop was with Drew, and it was, a, it was me and him and a bunch of white men, men in there, right? We walked up in this cigar spot. The only white dude in there was the dude that was the entertainment. Everybody else was black. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo. And it was uh, it was people coming right after work. So they had their, you know, their casual uh, business, casual dress on, like just sitting back. People were reading, uh, reading um, uh, uh, newspapers on their phone and stuff like that. And we were just kicking back, chilling. I was like, yo, this is black excellence where we can actually enjoy the fruits of our labor without anyone coming against us and saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not meant for you. We overcame, uh, 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 you know, this is something that my my ancestors dreamed would be, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that they could do. I have to be, be at an establishment where they wouldn't have to be raided or or anything like that just for being black. That was black excellence for me. And that's what I defined it as. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a monolithic experience, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's definitely something that is, it, it, you can compartmentalize it or like I said, it's, it's but it, it's truly a spectrum for sure. But like I said, to Drew's point, people can't um, have erroneous expectations <coughs> from it. I just so think my- uh, to, to what Drew is saying and to what all of y'all are saying, I think a lot of this has to or stems from us only looking at excellence from one lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that, I mean, uh, where, what Drew was talking about, I didn't get the, the speech about, you got to try five times harder. I got the speech of, you got to be, you ain't got to, you ain't trying nothing. You got to be, so you, you can't try to be great or you can't try to be excellent. You got to be five times better than, you know, the people that you're around in order to be equal or comparable or whatever. And I still think that's true today. You know, as, 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 you know, it pains me to say such. You know, I feel like in every arena, in every environment, we're seeing it right now with co- uh, Coach Brian Flores and how uh, African-American coaches mm-hmm. can't get jobs in the NFL or retain positions or they're graded on a different standard uh, or black quarterbacks are graded on a different standard uh, than white quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? So if, if a black quarterback can run and throw, it's like, oh, well, he's not the best thrower, you know, or he relies on his legs too much or he doesn't make good decisions. But if a white boy can run and throw, it's like, oh, he's an asset. He's versatile. He, mm-hmm. you know, he can, he can extend the play. He mm-hmm. can do all these things. So it's mm-hmm. like the, the story of being five times better is, is still a real thing. And it's something that does happen at every, at every level that I think where we get harped on excellence is where, uh, what we're talking about now where it's comparable. And I think that we're mm-hmm. not, not necessarily saying that excellence is one thing more so than it is a standard. So when they talked about black excellence or preaching black excellence, it wasn't one type of excellence. So excellence was pretty much like whatever you choose to be, be excellent at it mm-hmm. in terms of decency mm-hmm. or we'll say decency in order since y'all are churchy. So we'll say excellence was more so equated to uh, decency and order. Whatever you do, be exceptional at what it is that you do. If you yeah. gonna be, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you do decide to be a plumber, be the best plumber. Present yeah. yourself well as be the best in your profession. If you're going to be a barber, be the best barber. Be, if you LeBron James, you athlete, be the best athlete that you can be. So be the best version of whatever area it is that you, you know, are attacking. So I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, uh, black excellence is toxic. I just think that people have to view 
or change their view of what quote unquote excellence is um, and stop looking at it as a materialistic attainment uh, of, right, of things right. uh, of sorts. It doesn't have to be tangible. Right. It doesn't have to be tangible. Well, see, that's the thing. And so like, for example, you know, um, I, I'll share a, a personal antidote. I remember um, when I first decided I was going to grow out and try to get my locks, the first thing that my mom said to me was, somebody is not going to hire you because mm -hmm. of your hair. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my point is, is that, you know, maybe uh, black, you're saying black excellence is toxic. However, <clears throat> y'all know I'm petty. I'm going to send y'all some articles after this podcast is over with. But my point is, is that it could potentially be, we have to, I think we have to be careful as a group, you know, uh, the intentionality or the intent of what it is that's, that's, that's being said and being done. And mm -hmm. so I'll pivot mm -hmm. to like, you know, black, or, or let me backtrack. You know, she's saying about, you know, nobody's going to hire you. She thinks that she's telling me what's good, but what my mom doesn't recognize is that's a tenet of white supremacy. So yeah. what you're telling me is the way that my hair flows out of my hair and my head naturally is not going to promote excellence of some sort. Yeah. And it's going to keep me from getting a job that's going to be like, oh, my child is an executive director of a nonprofit, black excellence. So what what ways do which I have to conform out of my own ethnic uh, um, identity to be able to achieve something? And so then when we even talk about black exceptionalism, uh, what's the cat uh, who got shot and killed by the officer who claimed she was going to her apartment but went into his? Malcolm um, John. Yeah. Yeah. So if you listen to what um, the commentator said or the, the, the news correspondent said, um, or the, no, the, you know how they get like a specialist or expert to come in. Mm -hmm. A lot of black lawyers said that the only reason she was found guilty is because he was damn near perfect. They only found a little bit of weed in his apartment, mm -hmm. but if he had any criminal history, and that's anything, from the earth. The Lord provided that. I ain't trying to cut you off. I'm just saying that's from the earth. <laughs> Carry on. Right. But if he had had anything else in there, it would allow for the defense to be able to, for her to be free today. So I think my point is, is that when we talk about exceptionalism, we have to be honest with ourselves and ask how much of that is a trope and how much is that is actually harmful to us. Think about it. We get pulled over. We got to make sure we got to do all these different things that other groups of people don't have to do. Oh, sure. We have to be the exception every single time. There's no margin for error for us. And I think that's extremely unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So, that's that's so, two forms of black excellence, though. That's two lenses that that we talking about. So that's more of a. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm just saying those okay. are my two All takes. Right, yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, okay, so I was about to say because what you just explained with the police and stuff like that and conformity is more of like white conformity and less reflective of black excellence. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, no, this is because I got the no. Same this is speech. what I'm saying. When I'm talking about exceptions, we so this is what I mean. Even for example. We live in a country that's built off violence and more and more so built off white supremacy. So everything that's in this country, whether people want to admit it or not, is based upon or built upon race. The guy who was out there doing um, what bird watching and a white lady who was yeah. mm -hmm. saying that he attacked or whatever the case may be. If he didn't have some high profile job, hey, if this dude ever listened to this podcast, I'm sorry. If he wasn't like a comic book nerd and had a high profile job, nobody would have believed him. And people say, oh, he went to Harvard. He went to this, this, that, and the third. That doesn't matter. He was a Correct. human being. Right. 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 And the right. fact that we, our brains go to, well, he was this, he was that, that's exceptionalism. We have to be exceptional in every situation in order for our to, uh, to prove our humanity. There's no that's what I'm saying. Error. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely right. a lens of exceptionalism. I mean, you can look at individuals who have unfortunately lost their lives um, in various capacities, and it's always okay. Well, we go hear about this person. You know, what did they do ten years ago? That's going to be brought up, and this and that. Right, um, right, right. I, I don't know if I don't know if I would coin it um, directly as except exceptionalism, but I can see how it intersects with other aspects of uh, this. You know, white Eurocentric behavior. Um, I.e., you know, if a white woman says this or that, they generally automatically believe them rather than. <laughs> the actual facts or what is being presented. So, I mean, we've seen numerous videos where, you know, I mean, think about the, uh, I think it was in New York where a white girl accused um, the, the kid for stealing her phone or something like that. <laughs> now, I mean, we all have iPhones and, you know, you can easily track down a phone. Right. You know what I'm saying? But these are things that generally can go sideways very quickly. Um, but like I said, I don't know if I would coin it as solely exceptionalism in those circumstances, but I do see how they can intersect um, in regards to, to what you kick it, Drew. So when you say black excellence is toxic, are you talking about the lens in which black people judge each other relative to our accomplishments? Or are you talking about the lens that white people use to categorize us and our actions? Or a third one, are you comparing, are you, are you saying that black excellence is not really excellence because it's not what white people get? or is compared to, to white society? What I will say is, is that I think a lot of times what black people do, whether it's subconscious or consciously, is our performative actions are based upon not our own intrinsic motivators, but what we feel like we're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. or what we feel like mm-hmm. is proper, or what we feel like is whatever the case may be. I catch myself sometimes, I have to stop myself from code switching in certain situations. So for here's a good example, you know, um, one thing that sincerely bothers me is when white people tell me you speak so well. Why is that necessary to say, mm-hmm. are you operating from the lens or the ideology that I'm not supposed to speak well, that I'm not supposed to have a mastery over King's English. <laughs> so then the question then becomes that you view me as the exception because white people have made the comment to me, you know, you, you sound different than other people. What other people, or you talk mm-hmm. differently, you know, Oh, you're from Martinsville. Really? So what you're saying is, is that I'm an exception to the rule. And so then I have to think to myself, my parents have trained me in a performative way on how to maneuver in certain situations. So the reason why some white people like for me to be, uh, present things or be the spokespersons for certain situations is because I am in a certain way <clears throat> trained to talk to them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Yeah, and so look- if I get at, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, uh, brother, I'm from Martinsville, too. We are the exception to Martinsvillians. So I just want to let you know that right now. But here's I mean, the thing, I, but- I, I won't go say it, but, you know, since you bought hey, it. I know the people from the city, bro. White and black. We are the exception. Hey, Drew, Drew. Are you assuming that that's the lens that they're looking at you with? Because of some of your negative experiences that we've all had with white people, are you just assuming that they view you as the exception? Because I, I also say that you speak very well, you moderate well, you know, you articulate. I yourself say he speak like, well I, for I, a black man. You hear a lot of people say. <laughs> I know that you hear that. I know that you hear that quite a bit. A lot of people you speak say that very about well. You, I mean. I mean, hell, look at look at our look at our, a segment of our podcast. We do a word of the week. This right. one comes with a word every, every week. week. You have a exactly. So I mean, yeah, you damn right, you did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. You know that you're a good orator, bro. If you're a good orator, then 
are they really saying it because they think that other black people aren't good, you know, with vocabulary, vernacular, or anything like that? Like, you do speak well. You do articulate yourself well. Like, even to the point where, all right, y'all, I'm going to put the draws out on the podcast, like Troy said a couple weeks ago. Drew was getting to a point where he was getting aggravated with me because I kept telling him to stop being so articulate on the podcast. Stop trying to sound so smart on the podcast. Stop using so many big words on the podcast because the average black person, number one, can't keep up with what you're talking about. And then people don't want to be confused trying to Google every word that you say so they can keep up with our, you know, conversation. So he used to get almost irate to the point where he like, look, bro, I'm just trying to improve the quality of the black community. I'm trying to improve our education, extend us, all this other type of stuff. And he was real adamant about it. So I'm saying like, are they really looking at you like you're the exception to blackness or are they just viewing you and accepting you operating in your perceived excellence, which is, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm not saying that they not doing it. I'm just, could it be that you just really good yeah, at it? Melvin, and people are acknowledging it. Melvin, I'm going to answer also, for you, Drew. Any, anytime you consider the, the feelings and thoughts of others, um, we go go with the latter. So yes, I confirm with Drew in how he is feeling. But I do believe that he 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 mirrors black excellence. But again, it does go back to how we um, quantify that on our individual basis. So I can see it from from both lenses for sure, and how he could um, perceive their behaviors as being um, disingenuous and not authentic. Now, Melvin, you did in in your statement just now. You did make an assumption that our listeners do not know big words. And you put black people in that spot of not being intelligent enough to know these big words that Drew used. Well, I did not I say did. I didn't say it in that way. So just so we can clarify what I'm talking about, <laughs> <laughs> just so just so we can clarify what I'm talking about. Most people in general do not spend as much time uh, improving their vocabulary uh, the, to the extent that Drew does. And only 20 percent of the world has a college education. So that means 80 percent of people are not on the same wavelength in terms of the uh, ideology and theology that we discuss on our podcast or in everyday living, because we're so saturated in these subjects amongst ourselves. Most people mm. don't have that experience. So when you're talking about intemperate and intrinsic, whatever, whatever, most people <laughs> don't quickly, you know, I see you, man. Throwing that, throwing it like, out there. I'm just saying that the, excellence. That, that's excellence, brother. That that's black excellence. You didn't know what they meant. <laughs> you didn't know what they meant when they came out your mouth, but you definitely used them well just now. Right. I know what right. intrinsic means. Look, most people, <laughs> I'm smarter than I present myself on the podcast. Okay. Melvin, we know that, bro. You are him. Don't want to be black. You articulate yourself very <laughs> well. One thing I realized. One thing I realized. There are a lot of people who are trash talkers, and actually, Drew, this kind of this kind of aids you in the argument that you were making earlier. Because I know people who are who are higher ups who can't string up, who can't string words together at all. But for some strange reason, they're in positions that are higher than me. And I feel as though, hey, why aren't I where you are? I can, first of all, I talk better. My email uh, structure is a whole lot better than yours. You know what I'm saying? Tell them, Troy. I, com- I comprehend things well. I can run a, a meeting 10 Tell times Troy. Well, hey, better than you. my boy want a promotion because he got Grammarly on his email. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you this right now. That Grammarly. want a promotion because he got Grammarly. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. All right. 
Right. Talk your talk, Troy. Let's, talk let's, let's talk. even go there. I know how to use technology. You don't. I, I got Grammarly on my email. You know what I'm saying? No. You don't have Grammarly because you don't know anything about technology. I'm working, and like what you said, Drew, I'm, walk, I'm working twice as hard to achieve what you what you what you achieve working half is what I actually did. So yeah, I actually I, I understand you and your argument of um that you were making earlier, Drew. But I do think so that goes is- that goes to a, a deeper um conversation, not necessarily um exceptionalism, but how we compare ourselves to uh Eurocentric cultural norms, i.e. within the workplace and how we navigate the workplace. Uh that feeling of having to work twice is hard. Except now I'm not saying that that should be negated in any way because obviously, you know, data can show that we we are we work harder, we are paid less and those kind of things, particularly um black women. Um but we have to realize too that when do you have the testicular fortitude to say I'm not doing this no more and I'm gonna do it my way mm-hmm. and they can either accept it or not. Mm-hmm. Hey. Because so I think is- that's a piece that we often miss um because that's a bar lace. We are afraid or we don't have uh the like I said, the fortitude to to really walk in our own authentic uh, selves in certain spaces. I'll tell you right now. So that I came out the womb with testicular fortitude. <laughs> so look, this is my point. My point is, is this, is that I think when you tie exceptionalism or black excellence, here again, I think that they are closely related. You can make the argument sure, that they're yeah, fraternal yeah, twins. Yeah, yeah. So for example, oftentimes people or black people, us as an ethnic group, will use black excellence or exceptionalism because we feel like that is going to shield us from the ills of society, of a white supremacist culture. Mm -hmm. So for example, for example, let's say the Lord blesses me and I become a CEO of a large nonprofit. Somebody, if, if they make a statement or a press release, my mama is going to re is going to reshare it and she going to put black excellence. And in my brain, I'm going to think I've proven myself. So did I do it? Or is it done because, you know, I'm, I want to be excellent. I want to be deemed as excellent. And I feel like it's going to shield me from something. And your and, and somebody's black history person for the month they're going to choose said himself, what do you call a black man with a BA, a, 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 a BS, a MA, a PhD? You call him a nigga. And we get in these spaces and places and we get these titles and these letters behind our name and we say black excellence and then we get disappointed. When at the end of the day, we still just a nigga. Mm, mm-hmm. And so when I say about it being toxic, what I'm saying is, is that um, it's multifaceted. And the other reason I say black excellence is toxic is because if you like myself and you like to read and you have a large vernacular and you have a copious amount of words <laughs> at your disposal, you are often hyper, um, hyper scrutinized or penalized for that. So in a real by, sense, by, uh, by we're gonna be black, black people, black people. By, by other by other black, black people, people. Mm-hmm. yeah, by other definitely. black people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you you so should have just, just like, said insert Melvin Brown. You should just put his name. <laughs> <in there. laughs> Look, oh no, I don't, I, I, I see, don't make fun is, of him yeah. for having big words. I've never made made fun of Drew or scrutinize him for having for having big words and choosing to use. I'm not gonna do mail like that. I'm not gonna do mail like that. But I have been in situations 
in certain places. I've been in Martinsville, and the and the comedy is you think you're smarter than everybody else. No, I actually and I do, and I, actually I do because I, because <laughs> I have hey, the brother. credentials. So again, again, it goes back to it goes back to self awareness, and it also goes back to um, kind of the crab in a barrel um, situation. Because I was reading something today where it stated that a lot of times um, we as a people we want you to do good, we just don't want you to do better than us. Mm, or better than that individual in in that particular circumstance. So if posed with that, do you think you better than it? Actually, I do. I I very much will think I am (laughs) better than you because I have done X, Y, Z. I have achieved X, Y, Z. And I did that in a space um, where I'm still um, navigating who I am. But don't hate on me because you ain't got what you desire or whatever. No, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm not going to entertain that. Now, this is the point of where I switch over and I agree with Mel. Because when in those situations where people are like, you think you better than me, it's like, brother, we had the same opportunities. You could have easily, we could have done this exact same thing together. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. chose to not educate yourself. You chose to be with the people in the, uh, with the brothers and the sisters in the hood. You chose to stay out late at night and 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 not prepare for this exam that we have not the next night. Go ahead, Troy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm trying to try trying to create example, examples. Um, you chose to put yourself in this situation. You could have been so don't get mad at me, my brother. Look in the mirror. All right. And after you look in the mirror, what can you do now? Because you're Troy, not limited. Troy, that's a whole nother podcast, bro. That's it a whole is, nother podcast. Is, no, <laughs> Looking is, in the mirror, is. bro. That's a whole nother podcast, bro. Let's but say, I do, let's I, say do, I, do 16, I do agree. Episode 16. I do, I do agree. Yeah. Look in the mirror. <laughs> episode 16. Ooh, look, look in ooh. the mirror. Call it, call look it, call mirror. it, uh, call it the black mirror. Look in the mirror, episode 16. <laughs> <laughs> And this is exactly what you was talking about, Drew. This is exactly what you was talking about, Drew. Hey, when black excellence is seen, is being intemperate right exactly. now. He has no control and no calmness. Look, look, episode fifteen, behind the curtain. Episode sixteen, look in the mirror. We got, we got it on tap. All right, so remember that we gotta keep, we gotta keep. Like <laughs> she was about tap. to say but, something. But Drew was about to come no, your thoughts, just... Troy. But go ahead, Drew. No, Lace was about to say um, something. Yeah, Lace, you got it. No, I was just going to say, you know, we have to be reminded of the great philosopher, the plumber on Martin, one of my <laughs> favorite episodes. <laughs> and the philosopher stated, choices and decisions are free, but consequences cost. Mm. So you can make whatever choice and decision that you decide, but you have to be prepared to accept the, the consequences, consequences that come with that. Actions. So whether that is a lens of, um, you know, I made this decision and now I'm suffering for it for years or whether it's something that you can bounce back from. But those are things that we have to be mindful of as we pursue aspects of black excellence and how it can be uh, create trauma for individuals if they don't attain the goal that has been set out for them or how others view them, et cetera. So I think that is I think that is a very valid point um, and perspective that Drew has shared this evening. Yeah, just to reiterate, you know, um, or to respond to what Troy said, um, I guess what my point was is that black excellence or uh, black exceptionalism can be uh, dangerous in a multitude uh, or excuse me, um, 
in multiple facets, you know, multiple different ways, how, you know, vantage points, how you look at it. And so we have to be careful about, you know, like, am I doing this? So for example, you know, um, me thinking about an interview and I'm like, yo, I need to get my locks braided back. And then I think to myself, no, I don't because black excellence is just me being me. I think what Mm -hmm. we have to tell people is that you have intrinsic value just by existing, just by being, and you don't have to do any performative actions or functions for you to be deemed as excellent or have value. The fact like, so Troy, something as simple, hey man, you 22 years old and you in Martinsville, hey, that's black excellence because you made mm-hmm. it. You got up this morning, you made it. And you don't have to get two uh, uh, 13 PhDs, whatever the case may be for me to say black excellence. And so I want there to be a level playing field. So when we look at the, uh, in the next 50 years, when we look at the, um, the racial uh, median income, this is going to be bad what I'm about to say, white people who are average and do average things should not be $30,000 ahead of black people who are trying their damnedest. That's what I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Unfortunately, that's not going to ever happen. Yeah, good brother. And the reason why I say that, I is know it's not going to happen. Bro, but okay. I okay. Hope. I was about to say you, you are, you are setting an erroneous expectation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting for a fool's errand. But no, but to, <laughs> And Drew, I'm going to disagree what? with you real quick before I lay jump in. As someone who uh, used to have dreads for a, merit, for a number of years, uh, you do need to get them joints braided back when you have an interview. Black people, listen to me right now. Just because the hair grows naturally from your head does not mean that it's acceptable to be unpresentable. If the dreads are dangling and they look back. neat and you just got a fresh retwist, that's fine. If that joint is all over your head, if it's fuzzy, unkept, you ain't got nothing but new growth sitting on that joint. You look like a bee's nest, a bush. <laughs> Braid it back. Definitely. Braid it back in the spirit of excellence. I'm not telling you to cut your hair to conform, but at least make whatever you have presentable. There's no reason why you can't do Fast. that. That's the spirit but of that, excellence. That's, that's yeah. not conforming that, that, to white people's standards. That's literally manicuring yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> being cleanly, and taking care of yourself. I didn't say cut the hair off your head, but at least if you're going to have the hair, had the hair presentable. I know we got free forms and all that. All those. I understand. Don't try to teach me about it. I had it. I lived it. I did it. Be presentable. It's not about necessarily the fact that you have the hair. It's how you look with the hair. And it depends on whatever industry that you're in. If you know that you're trying to be a suit-wearing nigga that runs nonprofits and sits in boardrooms with certain people, represent yourself and your family well Facts. from that standpoint. If you're going to be a barber, you're going to be a tattoo artist, you're going to be a hairdresser, do whatever the hell you want to do with your hair. A plumber, you know electrician, what like, oh, whatever. That, that's different. But whatever you do, be excellent in what you do. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, like you said, 13 PhDs, whatever the, whatever the case may be. But please, can we stop this whole situation with not necessarily looking presentable? Because there's nothing excellent about not representing yourself well in any arena. And that's what I, I just want to thank add, Melvin uh, for approving my point by saying that if you are, because what you insinuated is, is that if you are a barber, a plumber, or a tattoo artist, there is a lower barometer for your hair and you no, can do no, whatever no. you want for no, your hair. No, 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 that's not what he said. That's not what I said. No. I didn't say nothing to you when you was trying to give black people allowance to be average. Earlier when you was telling black people that you wanted them to I'm just asking you to clarify. I'm just asking you to clarify. I didn't jump all over your thoughts earlier when you was trying to give black people allowance to be average. So don't try to don't try to twist my words now. <laughs> I, bro, I'm not trying like to twist your words, bro. 
I'm doing what Troy did. I'm asking you for clarity for the listeners, bro. Okay, three out of the four people on this podcast properly heard what I was saying about what to do with dreadlocks. Hey, bro, the 75 listeners want clarity, bro. I'm just making sure <laughs> for them, bro. And in, in those positions that that you just brought up, like in those positions, you're an owner. You can do whatever you want to do. When you are a barber, you basically are your own CEO. You can you, you your can, brand. You, you, you your, your own brand. brand. When you a pump, when you a plumber. They don't care what you look like when you show up. Can you cl- unclog what my, you know, what my my situation is going and on? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. As long I as you got the right tools, it's the only thing that matters. That you might have but no, to that to that point, I think that the the extra or the piece that we don't we would be remiss if we did not identify is all of this boils down to an individual's self-awareness not comparing yourself to other people Mm -hmm. and not being concerned about how other people perceive you if i walk into a boardroom i'm walking into the boardroom fresh to death suited and booted tailored how i want to represent i'm not doing it for nobody else and that is the piece that you know we you don't want to miss in this because a lot of you know what we consider black excellence and those those kinds of statements boils down to how you feel about yourself and how you present yourself to others and how you walk in that you got to own it you got to own it. Some of that is a lens of ownership. I would like to suggest Lace's favorite phrase. It's a both and. <laughs> sure. It's it's not. Sure. That is definitely <laughs> that his is favorite definitely phrase. Favorite that phrase. is not an either or. It's a it's a both and. Like, look, guys, we can't we can't overlook the fact that we have to play this game called life. You know what I'm saying? And it's oh, not yeah. fair. It's not fair at all. And sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone in order to call your own shots. One of the things, uh, one one of my favorite movies is a, a social network movie um, uh, about Zuckerberg and how he came about everything. Right. The reason why he, how he stole everything, how he stole everything. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, which gotcha. is All which right. is white excellence at its best. <laughs> <laughs> got to the point where he was able to walk into a meeting wearing just pajamas the the man had proved his worth without even like having to show like but but for us as black people unfortunately there's a stigma that is about us in the in in the eyes of uh the average american that that we have to prove ourselves before we actually show up i i i know it's not fair but it's true. We have to prove ourselves. And so there's some things we have to play to the game that eventually, once we get that leverage, we could do whatever we want. I remember when I first came into my um my my previous job, my code switch was up to a hundred. A hundred percent. So what is By it now? T- like ninety two percent? Uh first of all, <laughs> <laughs> I said at my previous job. Now okay, listen, at my previous job, I came in at 100%. By the time I was in year seven, Drew actually heard me to on this phone call, on a on a professional phone call. I was like making jokes about Tupac lyrics in, in my conversation with someone who doesn't even know who Tupac is. And and that's because that's how comfortable I felt. It was like, oh, you don't know this lyric about, about Tupac? Oh, well, let me explain it to you real quick. And it gave me an opportunity to educate. I had to play the game initially, and then eventually, once I proved myself, I was able to be who I was. Unfortunately, that's how it is. 
And if you want to, if unless you're going to be a CEO or you're going to start owning your own thing where you could be who you are at all times, hey, do you, boo boo. But unfortunately, in some of these, in some of the circles we have to be in, Melvin comes on here every time, and I'm not going to say what he says, but he's like, I got to deal with these people every single day because he has to go into their world and 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 tell them how they got to operate. And, and and eventually, once Melvin gets his footing, he's going to be able to be like, look, man, this ain't how it is. Hey, I yeah, do and that I think right to, now. To, to Drew, just so, you, yeah, just so ahead, you're man. aware, Troy, I do do that right now. My frustration is that I have to do that. My biggest frustration <laughs> to what Troy's point is, is that I feel like I'm babysitting grown people. It's not necessarily that I'm in people's yeah. world and I'm a strong advocate <clears throat> for no code switching. And I'm honest about that. I've always talked about it. Uh, I've every place that I've ever worked, every space I've ever been in, I take me in every room that I go in and I refuse to play the games that y'all are talking about. And to more of Lace's point, everything that I do about how I present myself and carry myself is about my personal perception of myself and how I want to represent me and -hmm. less about how I think other people, you know, are going to perceive me and what I do and how I say and what I act. And I say that because for a long period of time, there's someone who was on this podcast and I'm going to say his name. His name is Troy. When I used to get on people about code switching because I was talking down on people who code switch. And <laughs> I was telling Troy that I take me everywhere I go and everybody knows that. And Troy was saying, well, I feel like the fact that you always take you everywhere you go and you don't sh- code switch shows that you have no growth about yourself. And I disagree. I said that. Yes, you did. You told me that I have no growth because mm. I, so I take my I take me everywhere I go. So you, you, you said because you take you everywhere you go. It shows that you have a, a a lack of growth and no real opportunity for growth. And uh, uh, I felt that yeah. I don't necessarily have to code switch in order to grow. Mm-hmm. Like I can be right. me. So yeah. I think people get uh, people get this confused. They get professionalism confused with code switching. Mm-hmm. Being professional and conducting your conversation to fit into the arena that you're in, in terms of how you talk about your business or govern yourself in a meeting is not necessarily code switching if you can maintain your characteristics and your mannerisms and how you, you know, uh, manage yourself. Code switching is where you change your whole personality and your whole way just to be in a room yeah. with people. Like you, you lace be in a room. You Rashad Tate. Yeah, exactly. You Rashad Tate. So like <laughs> you, you, you get with me and you talking about chicken and, and wing stop and, 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 and all this other type of stuff. Then you get to work and you talking about Panera chicken salad sandwiches that's blasphemy we, that you I'm speak just saying, right now. I'm that's saying, blasphemy. I'm saying like you doing stuff that you would never regularly do and talking about stuff that you know you don't care about and talk about because you're trying to you feel like you have to do that in that arena. And that's what I'm saying about right. those, which I and, never and I think that. Troy actually I think Troy actually proved Drew's point because one phrase that he stated was once I proved myself, I was able to do XYZ. We need to get to a space where we don't have to prove ourselves to feel comfortable comfortable but enough. I'm saying that's too, that, that's what I'm saying. Y'all yo, this has been though. the Manly D's. Y'all don't need yo, to this has been the Manly D's podcast. No, yo, we I'm appreciate saying. y'all no, for tuning no, in. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, we are not about to end this podcast without me defending myself. We are that's not a, about to do that. We about to go for another hour and a half. What Drew is talking about is internal. That's what I'm saying. What Drew is talking about is first of all, we need to address. We need to address males. Um. Look, look, bro. I don't mean no harm, but we have to be honest 
and transparent that a lot of what IE professionalism is, is based out of white supremacy. What For is sure. a professional Almost haircut? Definitely. What is the satin the third? So, I, and I'm not saying that to disagree with Mel. What I'm just saying is, is that you can be a uh, professional by like, you know, um, there's certain things, but I think that's something that we had, we as a people have to dissect of, you know, like what Mel said, what's being about your business. And then what is, what I would say is code switching. Like you don't have to straighten your hair or you don't have to do this, you know, but are you um, conducting yourself in a way that's business, um, business like, so you shouldn't have to change the topics of your speech. Um, like Mel said, you shouldn't have to change your voice. Like, cause you know, some cats will change their entire voice. Like they sound like a completely different person. Lace. I've never and done that. Is it? I don't change my voice. He's got that whole winking gun. Check you later, bud. <laughs> Honestly, I do that on purpose. I be doing that on purpose because it's funny as hell. I do the salute. That's my thing. <sighs> Yo. Um, excuse me. Defend I, yourself, I, Troy. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt yes, you. I, I am on the stand to defend myself right now. Um, mm -hmm. Troy about to commit perjury. I am not about to commit um, Melvin, that 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 conversation that we previously had, I I think I've I, it sounds like something I would say. I don't really remember it, um, but what I would say in that situation was, um, what I would say in that situation was um, by you being yourself all the time. That's that's cool. But what are you learning about your environment? You know, what are you learning about the people that you actually work with? If and and I, I say this oftentimes, you know, if you want flies, you got to use honey. You know what I'm saying? You can't be vinegar all the time, even though vinegar is is good in this in this certain environment. But if you go into a new environment, how are you adapting? How are you learning? Like how these how the, how things are going on? And if you realize that uh, adapting to what's going on in that environment is not working out for you, then that's just not the environment for you. And so mm -hmm. uh, I. I, I try to be a person who learns the people that I am, that I'm engaging, um, that, uh, yeah, I try to learn people that I'm, in, that I'm, I am engaging. I know their weaknesses. I know their strengths. I try to play to their strengths and try to, uh, coach them in their weaknesses. And, um, in, in those, in those situations, you know, it's, it's like, it's a give and take type of thing. I don't think that I can come into a territory in every territory, especially when it's new to me and then state claim as, as to, as if to say, Hey, y'all have to adjust to me now. I, I, I have to learn my environment and I have to, sure, yeah, I have to, yeah. I have to be able to I mean, to that's, that's yeah. just sound. That's, that's sound so leadership. Just be Paul. Hey, just be Paul yeah, that, that, that's sound leadership. Hey. Everyone has to adjust to Melvin Brown. And see, y'all think, think that I'm joking. Y'all think that I'm joking when I say grow. that. Y'all think that I'm joking when I say that. Well, why do I have to go into an environment and adapt to everyone that's around me instead of instead no, of? No, I, 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 I don't. I don't think he's saying. Mel, I'm about to defend you. I'm about to defend you. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm about to defend you, bro. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he said that, but when he's talking about going in and assessing my environment and adjusting how I may interact with people by learning their weaknesses, their struggles, their tendencies, et cetera, and then govern, governing myself according to that, why can't I do all of that and remain myself? I can remain can. myself. I can remain myself and understand Troy's strengths and weaknesses and Lace's strengths and weaknesses and Drew's Lace. You know, I can do all of that. And my heightened sense of emotional intelligence allows me to do that. But I also hold true to the fact that because I know what's going on and because I know what I see, 
I don't necessarily want to play the game that you're playing. So any room right, that I'm right. in, people are going to have to adjust to Melvin Brown, number one, because my, my personality is already strong anyway. So I have a very strong personality, which I hear from other people a lot to begin with. So at some point, you know what I'm saying? People are going to have to adjust to me and I don't live my life to a, to necessarily accommodate other people. So you saying that mm -hmm. I got to have honey if I want to catch bees, I don't necessarily want all the bees. I don't want everybody around me to begin with. I don't want to be in communion with everybody. I, I am protective of my energy Churchy. and all of that type of stuff. You know, to Troy's point, I'm not as welcoming to community as you. You know, mm -hmm. so then I don't govern but Troy, in a way. But Troy has like, admitted that that's one of that's one of I his. I know. I'm just saying um, that's my attitude. So things. I don't. I'm not so looking Mel, to catch bees. So Mel, so Mel, can I defend you now, bro? I appreciate you, bro. I think what Mel is saying to um, to uh, summarize this you. is that he wants to, <laughs> Mel wants to be the thermostat. He doesn't want to be the thermometer. You, he bro. wants to change the room, not necessarily read the room. Thank you. And so. You know, I'm going to use laces, John is, as a both and I think he's able to read the room. But what he's saying is, is that, all right, once I read it, I can I'm do that. But I want to change the environment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I, sure. I say the but same yeah, thing yeah, at work. Yeah, yeah. You know, my well, somebody has said to me at some point in my career that I need to be comfortable to talking to white people. And, I, and my thought process was, why do I have to change who I am as a person? Because I wasn't uncomfortable. I just don't. Everybody knows me, knows I don't talk in large group settings. So I'm like, but why can't they come to me? And take me at, take me as who I am as a person. So I change the temperature in the room. I don't necessarily just conform to whatever's going on because it may not be good. Right, and I I think that that, that we're discussing um, kind of two different pathways. Because again, I agree with you, Mel, but also from a lens of leadership, you have to know your people, and a part of knowing your people is their strengths, weaknesses, etc. But you shouldn't shift who you are to engage with them in that sense so it's definitely uh a pathway that can uh that is considerate that is thoughtful but you are who you are and that's fine but like i said sound leadership anybody who has people who report to them or that as a part of a large-scale team you got to know your people in a sound way to achieve the goal at the end so you know what i mean i think like i said I, as you all have stated using my phrase it's definitely a both end troy looked like he was about to say something i choose to be martin in this situation what you mean? Mm. Think about it, Mel. Nonviolent, peaceful. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah, basically. This has been the Melly. I don't like podcast. that assumption. <laughs> 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 so, so Troy, you trying to say that you trying to say that Brother Malcolm wasn't wasn't a peaceful? Uh, one of the uh, phrases that preceded Malcolm X was "by any means necessary." For sure. And in that means he was with and and also another one of the things that preceded Malcolm X's presentation is him peeking out the window with the chopper in his hand. Absolutely. <laughs> I ain't never seen he, he's, he's not right. That's, 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 that's his trouble. second amendment he, right. He was, that's not, his advocating, he was not advocating right. for violence, but he was not shying away from doing whatever it took to protect himself and defend. Hey, bro, he won't start nothing, but he was going to whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't start me. nothing, but he was going to finish don't, it if I it had to start. Said. I know what you said. Don't don't get on me and not say that I don't appreciate Brother Malcolm. Brother Malcolm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you need to have an appreciation for the latter part of his life after he returned from his pilgrimage. 
Oh, bro, bro, bro. One of the one of the biggest things that I love about Malcolm X is that he strove, he he strove, strove for the truth. That's one of the biggest things I, I appreciate about him. He uh he heard <laughs> what I miss, what I do. He striving it. Laces and jerk, yo. You couldn't let that slide, could you? What what I say? What the, what's the word? Lace could not let that slide, y'all. So Lace what's the word? So hard. Lace tried so hard to make sure he had that moment. I ain't even say nothing. I ain't even say nothing. Lace, correct me. I, I I'm Stroke. open for correction, please. <laughs> Lace, Lace tried so hard to let Troy move past that, but he couldn't do it, bro. Please help me. Help me. No, I am so open. Troy, there was nothing wrong with what you said. It was the fact that Lace could not let you get past that. He tried so hard and just couldn't let it go. He you I were did, three yo, minutes past that. He was like, Hey bro. <laughs> the word that you're looking for is strive. Hold on. Strive is not that's the that's the past tense of strive. It's strived. Yes. He strived to, to do XYZ in his lifetime. Striving for nope, greatness. I'm looking it up right, right now and strove. Past tense is strove. I just Googled it. So gold star mm. to Troy. For, uh, yeah, keep going, Troy. <laughs> yeah, Troy. He's sounding mad jacked up. It's but a hey. verb. Past tense of, of strive is a verb. It's strove. strove. So go One ahead, of the, the biggest things that strove. I appreciate about, uh, about Malcolm X <laughs> is that... <laughs> He wanted to achieve the truth. <laughs> That's what he wanted to do. And uh, when he realized that the nation of Islam was not uh, was not giving him the full um, what's the word I'm looking for was not giving him the uh, the fullness of what Islam actually was. Yo, I I, I greatly appreciate that about him. So that's one thing I appreciate. yeah 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 um, absolutely. But we saw that the person who had the biggest movement, although it ended up leading to his death, was Martin. Hey, bro. I, well, I think, know, too. Well, I, well, 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 he had a bigger movement because he was that's more a like you, yeah, that's the, His mo- movement was bigger because he was more like you, a community and welcome, and we are yo, people and all that, and yo, Malcolm X was more like black power, this is, exclude the white man from black organizations and stuff like that. <clears throat> so the tones were different. This is what the issue is, is that cats get the... Honestly... What the real is, or at least in my opinion, is, is that Malcolm and Martin switched places at the end of their lives. Malcolm became a little bit more like Martin. He became a little bit more peaceful uh, in his approach or in his thought process. And Martin was getting extremely aggravated towards the end. For sure. I think Malcolm. So my point I, I is, think is Martin that, knew he was going. He's going to get killed, though. I think he knew he was about. Yeah. To well, you also, but again, you also have to look at out there like that. Yeah, you also have that. to look at how how both of them and the organizations that they were involved in. So Martin, obviously, being a minister uh, and a pastor um, within a social norm in America that is acceptable, although they did not necessarily he could find himself in spaces that Malcolm could not mm-hmm. due to their religious affiliation, what they believed, except they could articulate the same message, but it would be perceived differently mm-hmm. because of the affiliation that they were with, um, et cetera. So I always have been a fan of um, Malcolm and his approach, very unapologetic who he is, but he also went through a um, growth process when he saw internally that some things just didn't align in how it was being presented. And mm-hmm. unfortunately he lost his life because of that and the resources um, that 
he once had a connection to. Um, but it, I always admire his body of work and how he approached it from that particular lens, as well as Martin. But you have to think of, you know, how the feds treated both of them, um, wiretaps, how they, you know, all these things that were internally um, promoted for their demise. It, unfortunately, one went out from his own people and the other went out from the system that has been in place forever. So that that's really where um, the two differentiate. But like I said, at the end of the day, message was was very familiar and, and similar in, 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 its, in its own right. So what's the moral of the story? <laughs> like not the, the moral, moral of the story, story, not the moral the, of the story of, of Malcolm The moral of the story is, is the moral of the story is black excellence. Hashtag keep striving. <laughs> that is the moral of the story. <laughs> hashtag keep striving. <laughs> like I think like I strove. I, I think <laughs> if I may, go ahead, Troy. I think it's I think it's safe to say that uh, uh, black excellence um, can be seen in different lenses. It can be achieved by different approaches, um, and it's a both and. And it's what you make it. It's what you. It's truly what you make it. I think the moral of the story is is that you know um, what's already been said. Define black excellence for yourself, um, and just ask yourself what is your intrinsic motivator on why you're doing something. And I think if we all took a little bit more time to ask ourselves why we're doing something, or what is our true desire behind our actions. Um, and we get transparent with ourselves so that we can see the uh, the potentially ugly answer on the other side. Um, we'll start making a lot more decisions that are of the heart and not necessarily um, that are from societal pressure. So um, mm-hmm. do what's in your path um, and keep striving for it. Keep striving. Keep striving <laughs> for it. Hey, this has been the Manly D's podcast. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Peace. We out. Keep striving. Oh,